Hello and welcome back to the Optimizing Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Marty Kendall. On this show, we take an engineering approach and speak to the experts about the insights into weight loss, fasting and nutrition, as well as real life people about their journey of nutritional optimization. Hey, Mike Julian, welcome. Thanks for coming on to have a chat. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, Mike is, uh, I, I titled this one The Guru's Guru because he's sort of been in the background making us all think for about six years now. And um, I know Rob Wolf on his podcast has mentioned Mike as a, a massive brain and way smarter than him in a whole pile of areas. And, and um, Mike has been sort of uh you know six years ago i think you joined optimizing nutrition group and started correcting me about glycogen versus glucagon i went who is this guy <laughs> and yeah. not too long after um i said hey do you want to come be a co-admin of the group and back then it was just an amazing time of all these amazing people who were just you know sharing papers and learning and thrashing things out and it was like early keto days and um yeah, we learned a lot from each other and uh, we look back on the, the glory days of the hive mind and, yeah. you know, trying to bring it back a little bit uh, these days. So, yeah, um, I suppose the first question of all this is, like, how the hell did you um, get into nutrition at such a deep level? I've just got this amazing respect for your biochem. Um, and by day, you are you're, uh, your day job is... Uh air conditioning and heating technician yeah <laughs> I, I install them i fix them i do kind of everything i like that uh, it was you, an auto mechanic before that you're basically the will hunting of uh biochemistry and nutrition you sort of come in and everybody's arguing about everything you just come and write the solution on the blackboard and walk away and over the last few days you've been um having a big back and forth with um, professor Richard Feynman in in the group about ketosis and what it all is and getting into the weeds and uh, it's like yeah yeah Mike's back to the the old days so yeah it's really cool. Just trying so to. How, how did you how did you get an interest in all this um, biochem and nutrition and able to join the dots? Um, honestly, started a long long time ago. Like I I've always been pretty much anything I get interested in I get like probably obsessively interested in. Oh, I lost you. I can't hear you. Don't know anything about that. I uh, I would never yeah. go into the weeds and be a city about anything. Yeah. So we, um, so pretty much, yeah, I, I was like that when I was a little kid, I got way into surfing. I'm into surfboard design. And then I got a little older. I got in cars. I started rebuilding engines and doing all that stuff. It just kind of one thing as my interest goes, I just dive way in. Um, I got into nutrition probably in my early 20s, and it was more just like everybody else that starts working out and doing that kind of stuff. The next thing you know, like, oh, hey, if I stop eating trash, my, my body responds pretty rapidly. So in doing that, it just kind of piqued my interest more and more and more. Um, I have, you know, my father passed away very early you got had a major stroke at 56 died at 59 uh, my mom had a stroke and relatively young in her late 50s as well so and then my brother is 
a heavy set mm-hmm. guy and he developed type two diabetes. So for me, it was kind of like, Hey, I'm interested in this stuff and I, and, and I can retain the stuff that I read. So I just started off, I started off silly stuff like mag, like men's fitness stuff. And then it progressed from that into, um, starting to read some books and then it progressed from that into, Hey, I'm actually reading, you know, scientific papers and evaluating that stuff. Hmm. And just, I don't know. I was always trying to draw the practical, like what is, you know, what is this, the research, how can I actually apply it? So hmm. I don't know, it was just interesting. like, that's, so here we are, what I was 23 then and I'm 40 now. So had a lot of time to kind of work a lot of things out and I got into the low carb stuff um, probably 15 years ago my brother like I said he had had mm. a weight issue or whatnot he went to a doctor um, here in Los Angeles and they put him on a low carb diet and that's the first time I ever heard anything about ketosis or any of that stuff but it was like the magic word it was like oh ketosis solves everything kind of thing yeah, and I was like good. okay that's a little see what that is and my brother my brother did it and lost like 80 pounds doing it but you know so i i got like that was my first introduction to it and i like a lot of other people was like oh okay that's simple you drop your carbs you go into ketosis and that's all that matters you know but i started looking at my bro what the the diet my brother was hat or eating they they didn't just tell you get rid of your carbs it was a, a structured diet that they gave him and it was like a 1200 calorie diet. I was like, well, no wonder you're losing all that weight, you know? <laughs> so I saw there the ketosis for him. It wasn't like the magic cure all, but what it mm. was, it was somewhat appetite suppressing. Mm. Right. So it allowed him like, to try to go on like such a low calorie diet when you're a close to 300 pound guy. It, it's not easy to do. So if you yeah. have the appetite suppression aspect of ketosis, it made it a little bit more tolerable mm. for him. So the consistency was better. But yeah, that was the tidy aspect is a massive component of it all. That's a massive component. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, I can't say that low carb ketosis and all that stuff is the, the magic like bullet. But mm. if it helps with compliance, then yeah, it's a good thing to do potentially. Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. Anyways, but that's, you know, sorry for dragging it out, but coming back, coming to just a few years ago, like the social media thing. And like when I crossed paths with you, that was actually really good because it gave me access. Like I had my little bubble of people I talked to and all of a sudden now I could pick the brains with or pick the brains of some of the smartest people in the field. Yeah. you know at your fingertips and it was just talking shop and like okay where am i wrong and i can learn from you and you it was a really cool community thing we had going there yeah, for quite yeah, some yeah. time and i think i think everybody that was in that little pocket at a time because i think when i started with you it was there was only like 200 people in that group yeah ten thousand. yeah yeah yeah, like yeah. we had we had like tommy wood and chris kelly and raymond edwards and um, Lewis and Tyler and uh, a whole bunch of other Ted Naiman and now we've got a bit of a a background chat going on that we all share ideas and um, cross check yeah, each other's key... ideas but yeah it's really cool to have you guys as influencers to to learn from it's just been a massive uh, it's just a whole lot of fun like it's like 
engineering problem problem solving and nutrition but every time you find something well, that doesn't work you dig a bit deeper and go why doesn't this work well, how do we explain that's that the, and... that's the draw i have to it more than anything yeah. it's i it goes back to i like to understand things i like to figure stuff out it's just problem solving so yeah. it's particularly my interaction when i see somebody who's so sure they're right about this one aspect of things <laughs> and it doesn't make sense i'm like mm, maybe like i i almost feel obligated to try to help them out yeah because i mean you've, it, got, you've got this way of asking questions that sort of draws them along the path to to learn and realize things that they're not seeing at the moment from your experience yeah mind. because well i do that because i was that person yeah like i understand where they're at and like no you're not like you're not thinking about that right. Like I've been there. I know that because I did path. that. I did the exact same thing. But here, take a step back and rethink this. Yeah. And it usually makes more sense. But yeah. that's what yeah. I try to you do. Mu you must My goal is to help. I know I end up pissing some people off. <laughs> yeah, or I have and I butt heads with certain people, but it's like my, my intention is really because I know other people read stuff. So if you got yeah. one person out there kind of spouting nonsense and there's like a clear thing that needs to be corrected it's like correct yeah. it because you know yeah. it's not just a conversation between you and me it's like how many you've, people you've actually 10, read people those. reading along between uh you and professor yeah Feynman or, or miranda just mentioned frederick uh in the group at the moment and you know those conversations we just learn there's so many people who just watch along and listen and learn from the chat and yeah it's a bit of a yeah. gladiatorial battle sometimes, but uh, it, it's it's fun and cool at the same time. Yeah, there's no hard feelings. I don't I don't hate mm. anybody in there. I mean, you, I'm you, never you must mad have about spent, it. You must have spent thousands of hours just having those chats and guiding people, and yeah, definitely become a. I don't want to know how much time I spent doing that. To be honest, <laughs> your I, wife my, could my... probably tell you. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, that's part of why I was packing up because I was like, hey, you know what, I have a wife and a family and it's probably not the best use yeah, of my time. Yeah, so yeah. I pick my battles yeah, and now. So, we are talking before you jumped on about, you know, you had, your son wasn't well for a, a little while there. So for the last couple of years, you've sort of backed off and probably coming back a little bit now. So it's really cool to see you playing again after um, all that. I'm trying to. Trying to yeah, dip yeah. my toe in the waters and see how it goes. So I think um, RD had a question, RD Dykeman, about, you know, you, you're in a lot of different groups and see a lot of different, you know, misunderstandings and diets that work and approaches that don't work. You know, what do you see that works well and what do, you, what do you see as the biggest challenges for people and misconceptions that most people come across? Consistently, like, I, I think... I mean, I, I think generally where people make the mistake is they mismatch their macronutrients to their lifestyle. So if you are somebody who's basically, most people are basically sedentary for the most part, even if you, okay, I work out for an hour a day or whatever, like, but on the whole, like if you look at your whole day, you're relatively sedentary if you're not like an elite athlete. So figuring out your carbs and your proteins and your fats and everything it should kind of match what you're doing right the average person probably doesn't need three four hundred grams of carbohydrates you know they don't necessarily need to be ketogenic low but you don't want you want to kind of 
if you're not really dipping too hard into your glycogen stores, you don't really have a whole lot of glycogen to replenish. So you just kind of want to stay within that limit as far as carbohydrates go. Then your fats should pretty much make up the balance of your your needs. And then depending on if you're trying to gain weight, lose whatever you're trying to do, you would adjust your caloric intake kind of more so with the fat up or down. But primarily, like as a building or a foundational thing, I start with protein. You want to just you want adequate protein to start with. Have to start there. That's kind of the fundamental building block right there. You don't have to go sky high with it necessarily. You definitely don't want to be under. So like dummy rule of thumb, like, you know, a gram per pound of lean mass is like a really easy one, you know? Mm. So average guy, I don't know, 150 grams for an average size male, give or take. And then everything else just kind of fills in there. So you do the protein first, make sure you're getting protein and your micronutrients. Those are the essential things you have to have. Mm. Everything beyond that is, it's Basically energy source. Energy. Yeah. yeah, it's an energy source. So if you're, you know, a really anaerobic athlete, because you're just training, you're doing two a days and doing all this kind of stuff, well, you could probably have a lot more carbs because it's just mm. going to go, you know, right from your diet, right into your collection stores. There's no really spillover happening. You're not going to shoot your blood or blood sugar through the roof. But those are like a unique circumstance. Mm. You know, not everybody is an elite athlete doing crazy workloads like that yeah, yeah, yeah. so kind of pull it down dial, uh, dial the carbohydrates back to the amount you're dial the carbohydrates, yeah, like you're doing the average person like you don't have like i said you don't have to be like 20 30 grams ketosis all the time mm. but like realistically speaking like most people probably like 75 grams mm. to 120 like in that range it's still basically considered low carb yeah but it's not like bottoming out low carb you know it gives you some dietary flexibility it makes it pretty easy to stick to you know that that's kind of where i start people yeah one of the biggest challenges i think in keto compared to the low carb and all the other approaches that have the low carb approaches that have gone before atkins bernstein you know banting or whatever the whole keto thing has been afraid of insulin and, and hence protein and therefore keep carbohydrates as low as possible. Um, and I think that's a lot of the time where they come unstuck and go wrong is because when you try to minimize the protein, satiety goes out the window and uh, you're eating you know, majority fat, and uh, which is low satiety. And then they go, well, why am I not losing weight? So I think we've come to a point where we're starting to understand better that it's not you know lower carb doesn't just switch off your insulin like you're a type 1 diabetic unmedicated and you don't want to be there um yeah yeah well you don't have to like well like the yeah how it kind of or evolved like in pop culture right you had like low carb was popular and then low yeah. carb became well i'm stalling so well yeah. there's carbs in the nuts i was eating so like like they got lower and lower, lower and then ultimately it turned into keto yeah. And then if you keep following the trend, it gets into carnivore. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, how low can you go? It's not, you don't need to go that crazy with it. And yeah. then the thing with the protein, like when keto came in, protein, all of a sudden they started sort of demonizing protein because if you have more than a set amount of protein, it lowers your ketones. Yeah. 
mm. right? So I yeah, think yeah, I yeah. think when people started doing the ketone meter things or yeah. the checking their blood and all that, I think that yeah, was yeah. going backwards hard because if you don't I understand think we all what went you're through that phase of trying to track the ketones and more ketones are better and you got to drink the bulletproof yeah. coffee and you know more fat and you know then I'll be losing weight because my ketones are so high and yeah, well, I was, yeah, I was definitely can... there. It gave you access to a metric that most people don't understand the dynamics of. So it just kind of became, well, I'm not in ketosis. I'm messing it up. But the thing is, is like the way ketosis works, ketosis happens when you're in a low carb situation. Mm. Ketosis happens because your liver is in high gear as far as gluconeogenesis goes. And the precursor that allows what ultimately going into the TCA cycle, you have acetyl-CoA, which is your energy or coming in from your fat or whatever. You need oxaloacetate to enter the TCA cycle. It, it condenses the two and then it lets it go in. But when you're in a low-carb setting, you're, the, you're not taking in glucose. Your body's trying to make it. Oxaloacetate in the liver gets taken away from the TCA cycle and goes towards gluconeogenesis. So if you're losing oxaloacetate to fuel gluconeogenesis, now the fat or whatever your body is trying to burn can't enter the TCA cycle, so it gets spit off into ketones. But it goes down the ketogenesis pathway. And the re whole point of that is the incoming energy center. If your liver can't utilize the energy coming in, it wants to avoid energy toxicity as well, just like any other other tissues. So get, turning it into ketones and then kicking it out to the periphery is the liver trying to defend itself from a flood of energy, right? So, because the purple tissues can use it. Hmm. But the problem with where the protein thing came about is if you eat more protein, say you're on a low-carb diet, keto diet, and you just say, you know what, I'm going to eat another 10, 50 grams, whatever, of protein, you'll find your ketones go down because the protein gives you precursors to make acetate. Mm. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, that incoming acetyl-CoA that was going off the ketogenesis can just run through the TCA cycle mm. and be used for energy. So there's yeah. no reason to kick it out as ketones because the liver is actually working better, essentially, yeah. in that way. It's working efficiently. And, and working yeah. on the TCA cycle, the Krebs cycle, is more efficient. And uh, you know, even the Eskimos, after a while, they, they get to a point where they go, you know, we, we're going to modulate to have a lower ketone level, even you're, even though they're on a very, very low co uh, carbohydrate diet yeah. most of the time. If you go, if you go low, low, low carb to the point where you're in like really deep ketosis, you're, you're kind of in an energy conservation state, right? A, a little bit. And then if you add protein back in, you're actually allowing your body to use more fuel efficiently. So you can't, you can't, you can't, um, well, you can't burn the fat that you're beta oxidation or going through beta oxidation. You can't burn it in the TCA cycle. So you have a secondary way to kick it off as ketones. And then that goes out to the periphery and you're using it. But anyway, yeah, sorry. So the, the ketosis is basically an emergency backup system when you don't have enough um, carbohydrate and protein in your diet to be able to burn fat because you can't burn it in the TCA cycle because you don't have enough oxaloacetate from protein or carbohydrate yeah. 
and I, that, that's something you sort of taught me a while ago and it's a key part of the the book to try and explain that that the, you know there's nothing you, you can still burn fat without ketosis i think that's what most people think i need ketosis to be burning body fat and yeah and then the well, logic and, just and, falls apart from there and and the thing with the ketones when they go out in the periphery because the, you get that extra energy coming into those cells you you get into uh it's a physiological insulin resistance so what what mm. is actually happening is because you have a limited supply of glucose in the diet so your brain your brain some of your organs still need a certain amount of glucose like your, your mm. blood cells do your, your brain does to a degree so the ketones act as a supplemental fuel mm. but what they do in the peripheral tissues is they make you somewhat insulin resistant mm. so that your your it's a glucose sparing state to try to so if your muscles are just soaking up all the glucose then you might run low for mm. the critical organs that need it mm. right so i don't think like if you're trying to lose weight i don't think you want to go hard 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 into ketosis it's kind of cool to flirt with it and be in the low ranges of it but i don't think you want to go hard hard into it because you kind of do introduce or if you're diabetic or anything else you're 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 kind of you can make the matters a little bit worse as far as your glucose disposal stuff goes. That makes sense. By becoming insulin resistant, by pushing the ketosis too hard. Yeah. Yeah. So bit. what happens, a lot of people find after, you know, we're all chasing ketones for a number of months and then all of a sudden you say, well, my ketones are going down and what's gone wrong? Have I stuffed up my diet? I'm still eating ketogenic. Why aren't my ketones high? What, what, what's sort of happening there that the... You talk to Lewis and all these people who are metabolically amazingly fit and still eating a ketogenic diet. Why do the ketones disappear over time? It seems the excess energy in the we talked about energy toxicity and and total energy from glucose, fat, and carbs in the bloodstream and and ketones as well. And it, mm. as you lose weight, you seem to lose that excess energy that's floating around in your bloodstream. Yeah. I am, um, God, I haven't thought about this in a long time. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I used to be able to rattle it off or I had my theories on it. Um, I think, I think as you become acclimated to being ketogenic, I think over time you do, um, you do tend to kick out because when lipolysis happens when you're adipose, if you break away three, three, um, Oh, you have a triglyceride. So if you break away mm -hmm. three uh, fatty acids, you have a glycerol, right? Two glycerols together will make when it goes through your circulation, hits your liver, and it'll make a glucose. So I think you kind of maybe hit a situation where you're getting your lipolysis is ramped up, mm -hmm. right? And you're now starting to supplement substrate to your liver that'll actually bring up enough glucose to kind of to help balance out that tca cycle situation we're mm. having or we we're just talking about yeah. right that and guys like louie and all of them they're not shy of protein right mm. so they're not trying to you know keep the low or the higher ketosis which requires that you restrict protein restrict protein restrict protein you know they're not doing that. They're trying to stay fit. They're trying to keep their muscle mass, doing all that. Yeah. So they're going to be a little higher. So you might see that, like, they're just in the low ranges. Yeah. And I remember there was a 
the Dr. Penny paper or when they were the mm. Verda thing, they, they found that their ketones gradually went down over time. That's I remember yeah. you bringing that up. Yeah, it sort of goes from 0.3 to 0.6 after six weeks or so, and then it just continually goes down. And after a year, they're back to pretty much 0.4, and two years, they're at 0.4, and at three years, they you know, they don't mm. report it because they don't want to, you know, they're, they're all about ketosis, and ketones disappeared even on a ketogenic diet. So Yeah, and they were, I think they were thinking that people were not being compliant and whatnot. I mean, it's all possible because nobody was really doing long-term stud or nobody's really followed for like years and years and years of people being mm. on these diets it's like it's possible you just adapt over time to it you know mm. you you find more of a homeostatic situation yeah where you don't have the high ketones and all that or, or you yeah. eat a little bit more protein over time because that's what the body craves and yeah and i suppose over time we we tend to gravitate which we always talk about we gravitate back to that fat and carb combo that uh, you know eliminates all ketosis and makes us all fat so you definitely want to avoid well, that yeah. um the happy so, foods yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, <laughs> happy foods <laughs> um dylan far posted a, a photo of uh, i don't know if you saw it the the crow dipping the chicken mcnugget in the sauce <laughs> on the curve it's mm -hmm. unreal like even the even uh birds in nature work out how to get that hyper palatable hit to, to fatten up and we just do the same thing and and keep doing it oh, yeah. so one of the things that i think you brought into a lot of our consciousness was the the personal fat threshold from roy taylor and just mm. sort of helped us to understand that that uh you know carbs uh, glucose and, and fat are very much interrelated and the energy toxicity. Do you want to just unpack your understanding of that and uh, how it's uh, central to our understanding of diabetes and health? Uh, yeah. Um, so it, it kind of goes that in order for glucose to properly be utilized, you, you have you have substrates in the bloodstream that are comp competitive, right? So if you have a lot of fatty acids flowing through the system, it makes it it dulls your sensitivity to glucose disposal or insulin, and it makes it harder to dispose of glucose, right? So, and that's kind of the problem when you see somebody who's over the years gotten heavier and heavier, and then they develop insulin resistance and everything else. Part of it, we see the blood sugar stuff because it's easy to track, but if you look at the fatty acid clearance and whatnot, it's very, very lazy. And it's actually the poor fatty acid clearance that's impacting the glucose clearance so insulin when in, when you eat a carbohydrate and your insulin goes up people think oh insulin insulin shoves glucose into your cells and insulin the way i look at it is insulin is permissive permissive of that it doesn't force it i mean it can in really high doses but it doesn't what it has to do what its primary role is is to kind of vacate the bloodstream of fatty acids because then it allows easy entrance or easy disposal of glucose if that makes sense but the personal yeah, yeah. fat so, threshold so, so situation when you've got when you've got high glucose really what the insulin is doing is stopping the lipolysis which is the release of fat from storage so that the glucose can be used up and it sort of gets the fat fuel out of the way so it can be, exactly you know, assimilated into the cells and be used so what you know you, you always talk about insulin 
raising proportional to the ability of the body to store that energy source, which is really fascinating. So over the longer term, the body loves to store fat, so you know, it doesn't raise insulin that much too quickly. Yeah, a healthy adipo or healthy fat tissue is a buffer for energy flux. So if you eat a big, uh, really high calorie meal, a lot of fat or this or that, all of that ultimately enters your bloodstream. And if you have adipose, it'll readily suck it up. The rest of your lean tissues don't get the shock of too much energy, hmm. right? So if you have, and you, as you get heavier, or your personal fat threshold, the whole point of that is you, everyone has a healthy range of a weight gain that they can handle. Hmm. It's sort of it's genetic. I don't, I don't know, mm. but what it is is the number of adipocytes that you have, the individual fat cells. We all kind of have a set amount. If you gain weight, they'll expand in size, individual size. If they expand to a certain mm. point, ideally, new little ones will pop up, right, to kind of bail out, offload some of the work to the, from the other ones. So you'll get bigger, 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 but you'll hit a certain point or everybody does, and it could be as little as 20, 20 pounds of extra weight on you. And it could be like my so-called lifestyle or, you know, my 600 pound life or whatever. But like, you could be one of those people that get so big that you get like stuck in your house because you'd never hit mm. it. Those and, people, and, and that those, get, those people remain insulin sensitive for a very long time. And yeah, because they're fat, then, then the fat gets full and overflows. They're adipose or everybody's adipose is a protective mechanism. So if you're one of those people who can just expand and expand and expand, you might have to be cut out of your house because mm -hmm. you can't fit through the door anymore, but you're probably not diabetic. Like those people pretty much never are, yeah. right? But if you're unfortunate and you're one of those people who gains, goes from really lean and you put on 20 pounds and all of a sudden you start getting insulin resistant, it's because you don't have the ability to add adipocytes like some of those other people do so what happens is once your adipocytes get as they enlarge they become insulin resistant themselves right and what happens is in order to get them to function your insulin levels starts going up and up and up mm -hmm. so your insulin your baseline insulin level will track pretty much with your body composition mm -hmm. as you get heavier it'll creep up creep up creep up because your body just wants to the goal of your pancreas is to, it's like a fuel, a fuel sensor. Mm. So it monitors, it monitors the blood glucose in your, in your bloodstream. And it t keeps track of the fatty acid concentrations in your bloodstream. And it'll dose insulin based on that to try to keep it at a pretty stable level. And the more, the more insulin you're resistant you get, the more insulin is required to maintain that homeostasis. And when so you stop eating and, and fast for a period or whatever, you insulin levels drop and basically release energy into the bloodstream. And, and I always thought, you know, if you go low carb, you'll reduce your insulin and, uh, you know, all your stored energy will leach out into your blood like a type 1 diabetic. But it doesn't really happen that way because, that, you know, when I look at my wife's money's insulin or every day you realize that 80% of her insulin that she requires is just basal insulin that she requires whether she eats or not just to stop a whole body disintegrating it's into just, the bloodstream. Just, just to keep that homeostasis that happy yeah. medium between not too much blood glucose and not too little it's like right in the middle 
The same thing with your fatty acids. So the your body wants your, just a uh, steady, a steady, stable flow. Yeah, the the way to manage your insulin levels is really just to find a way to eat that creates satiety, and you're not hungry all the time, so that that body fat level can come down, and that's the way to manage insulin resistance, insulin toxicity, which is really a function of energy toxicity. Yeah, hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. what it is. Uh, yeah, I really thank you for uh, you know helping me, you know, drumming it in over and over and over to the point that I really finally understood it over the years. So it's really been good. Um, so, did you want to touch any more on ketosis and uh, you know how it actually works and what the big misunderstandings and arguments are? Is it you know we all need ketosis by any means possible? Like we're all you know buying the ketone supplements to get high ketones. Oh yeah. Like the, yeah, that, that, I, that was kind of a train rack phase. I think I don't, I, don't, I, I like in sports performance, let's so say like elite sports performance, they make sense. Right. And if you'll even notice, I forget the name of the woman now. Um, uh, Louise Brooks. No, yeah. I think it's Louise Brooks, I believe. Yeah. Anyway, she's a sports scientist or whatnot, but she, they were doing our um, ketone esters and stuff like that for endurance athletes. But what mm. they were also doing is they were simultaneously not just doing ketones. If they just did the ketones by themselves, it didn't really have a strong ergogenic effect. Mm. They were doing ketones with glucose. Mm. You needed the two together to really get the, the bang for the buck. Mm. And I don't, I don't really remember why or it, the reasoning behind it was. I think it was just that they, because they're competing fuels, it would help restore glycogen with the glucose as you're burning the ketones. And then once the ketones mm. kind of burned out, you had all this glucose to go. Mm. So it extended your endurance. But I don't know, it was a few years ago I was looking at that stuff. But as far as the recreational, like prove it and all that stuff that was on the market, that was a train wreck, I think. Yeah, because it was just like pounding energy into the system that didn't need it. Mm. That sort of makes sense if you're a Tour de France athlete on the starting line, wanting to fill every possible fuel tank up with energy so you can blast as fast as you could. But if you're trying to lose weight, then filling, you know, you could theoretically fill your alcohol, ketone, glucose, and fat fuel tank all at the same time, and basically overload the the system with fuel but well yeah that's the that's the opposite of what you want if you're trying to lose weight and gain well and 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 the other thing with ketones is if you're if you're exogenously taking ketones they have oxidative priority over fuels Hmm. so if you're say you're fasting and you're trying to just lose weight or you're you're just eating a low-cal diet or low-carb low-cal whatever trying to do that Hmm. if you're constantly chucking ketones you're constantly stopping lipolysis because the, the ketones, like when I fast or anybody who's not type 1 diabetic, you take food mm. away, you go into ketosis, that's what happens. But the reason mm. your ketones go, go sky high like a, like a type 1 would if they took away their insulin is because there's a feedback loop. So the mm. ketones get up to a certain point and then they start to inhibit lipolysis directly, mm. Mm. right? And by slowing down the release of fatty acids out of the t- out of the adipose, they slow down the fatty acids getting to the liver, so that it mm. slows down the ketogenic process. It kind of keeps you mm. down at a at a comfortable level. Yeah. So if you're 
trying to lose weight and all the you're just chugging those things like crazy you're shooting yourself in the foot yeah. it's, not, it's counterproductive like no so, other so the more ketones you're eating the more your insulin is rising to suppress lipolysis and the release of energy from your stored fat yeah, so it, you can burn off the ketones first yeah and, and ketones will directly inhibit lipolysis not even necessarily with insulin they use mm. the nicotinic acid um mm. receptor too slow so they're self-regulating mm. and they regulate themselves by controlling lipolysis that's how it works mm. so it's it's yeah it's not oh it was a weird fad that's all i can say but it was a fad that was fed by the ketone meters like when the ketone yeah. meters came out and like you could kind of you know biohack and figure your stuff out if you didn't know what you're looking at and it's like well i want high ketones because i'm in a keto diet you know you're you're your best interests are going out the window unknowingly. Yeah. Misdirected priorities, basically if ketones are the Holy grail and, mm -hmm. and my number one priority, then I'll do anything I can chug the buttered coffee, drink all the expensive ketones. Esters might be better to get ketones higher, but I, you, you look at the people who kept on taking them. They weren't necessarily the, the most metabolically healthy people after just loading up with more and more and, you know, yeah. yeah. Anyway, had a bit had a bit of fun trying them, but um, got my ketones high. I think I was shooting some photos of photos to you when somebody sent me some esters to try. And but anyway, it was fun. We all played this stuff, but it was got the nerd out. For me, it was yeah. just to kind of. For me, it was much more like, oh, if I do this, what happens? Yeah, I was just curious. I wasn't trying to do anything with it. Yeah, so the, the, there's still plenty of confusion and argument over whether fat calories matter and whether you know. In insulin, someone said on, on Facebook the other day that you just, you know, eat eat the butter and your, your insulin and blood sugars don't rise and therefore um, they're basically free food. So yeah. prioritize fat, avoid carbs, avoid protein. How do you explain to someone who's got that logic that uh, maybe they should move on if, if, if they want to optimize their metabolic health? If you look at where dietary dietary fat all dietary fat where it goes it's normal just path the circuit that it runs goes from your gi tract goes into chylomicrons goes from chylomicrons directly to your fat tissue that's the first place it goes mm -hmm. it will hit the tissues and circulation on the way and some of it will get used for energy but the bulk dietary fat goes directly to your adipose first the reason it does that is because your body can much more tightly control the release of fatty acids out of your adipose mm -hmm. than it can the surges of dietary fat. Right? That makes sense. If, you're, if your mm -hmm. body wants stable energy all the time, mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense to just, hey, I eat fat and I'm just going to burn that fat like, because it's mm -hmm. going to be these huge pulses of fat. Mm -hmm. So... And the same thing with glucose. Ideally, it'll go into your bloodstream and then it goes right into your liver or in your muscles. Ideally, it goes into glycogen. Mm. Then it's meted back out from there. Um, so, of course, dietary fat counts. Like, if you're trying to lose weight and you're only, you know, the, the circuit that it runs, so out of adipose, free fatty acids are released. They're non-estrified fatty acids. They're attached to albumin. albumin they'll run through your circulation because it's a water soluble or the protein mm. albumin helps carry it. 
it goes all the way around your peripheral tissues and anything that needs it will take it but whatever mm. doesn't get used goes to your liver mm. and then is repackaged into low density lipoprotein and sent back out the whole point is to send it back to adipose so it's a continuous mm. circuit going through from adipose into the circulation to your liver and then back to adipose it's just a loop mm. but and your dietary fat goes directly to your adipose but if you're only burning i don't know 2500 calories a day you're eating 3000 calories worth of fat mm. the net effect you're gonna get fat like that's what happens yeah. it's supposed to happen yeah and, and it's and weird everybody loves that, to store any excess yeah i don't know it, it's weird to think that if you're insulin low, you're just gonna burn it all or you're just gonna lose weight like so, irrespective so, of calories what what are people to play devil's advocate what do people tend to lose weight and their appetite improves when they go a bit they, they drop their carbs somewhat when they start a low carb diet why is that stage magic what what's actually happening i think what most people do when you first if, if you're never done a low carb diet before and you first you just had whatever regular standard american style diet and you go low carb, what you're, you're inadvertently gonna do, because all of the f processed foods are out the window, mm. right? So it's, it's, yeah, you're ditching the carbs, but simultaneously you're ditching a lot of the fat out of your diet that you used to eat, mm. like the donuts and the, it, just everything. Pizza's gone, like all that stuff's gone. So you kind of unintentionally will cut calories at the same time and a lot of people if they you know blood sugar spikes and all that kind of stuff like you go like people get hangry or anything when they're having like the carb diet or regular diet carb diet mm. so it stabilizes your mood it, it's but it's more than anything i think for people it's, it's a really easy guideline to mm. cut a lot of crap out of your diet you know, like if you tell somebody yeah. like, oh, you're going to go on a low fat diet, like it's actually really hard to eat a low fat diet for a lot of people. Yeah. Or you're going to go not vegan. Not many people actually manage to stay really low fat, high carb. They sort of gravitate back into the middle. Everybody kind of migrates right back to the middle. Yeah. You, you need that religious zealotry of, you know, you know, all oils are bad and, you know, whole food plant based, but not many people are living at that extreme. Yeah. But just yeah. as and a you definitely when you drop when you drop uh, carbs, you generally gravitate to more protein. I think that's where a lot of the magic happens. That's a huge that aspect of it too. They'll yeah. tend to eat more protein and therefore get more satiety and go low carb is magic and it's helping. You know, I'm not never hungry, but it's potentially because you're increasing the the protein in your diet. That's a huge part of it, and protein is an inefficient energy source. Mm. So it kind of lets you eat slightly higher calories technically because it doesn't mm. it's not such a easy fuel source yeah. so yeah it does it does allow you to maintain some food volume that way as well but yeah. i think the worst thing that happened to low carb to be perfectly honest with you was when it became low carb high fat when yeah. that that acronym came around yep that was the worst thing that happened because mm. i did low carb before and then i kind of bought into the high fat thing too because it was mm. like oh god all these like very well credentialed people are espousing it and this and that there's got to be something to it it can't yeah. be that you know 
So, but as soon as the fats of free food thing came in, I think it mm. sabotaged so many people. And then it went from low carb, high fat to keto. You know, you just keep progressing down. It was the, the natural path. progression. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, now there's some guy named Ted Naiman, um, you know, rebelling at the other extreme. He uh, dropped the question of why is the PE diet the best? Um, but but I sort of wanted to, to, to throw that on its head and be devil's advocate because we were chatting about, you know, when is too much protein? When when do, you, when do you reach a ceiling of how much protein you can practically have? We were chatting with Simon, um, I think, yesterday about you get to a point where you can only eat so much protein and, and your, your performance and your mood and hunger suffer and you just start craving the donuts and pizza at that point. So how do you, where's a reasonable ceiling and, and how do you know you've reached it? Well, I think, I think te to Ted's credit, I think Ted's got a really good thing going because like from a mm -hmm. practical application standpoint, like he deals it's deadly with... deadly simple. Yeah, then that's the that's the win, and I think that's where low carb originally, like, well, goes back forever. But I think the simplicity of the message was huge, really, really huge mm. to compliance. Because if you're taking people who, like most people, they get hungry and they eat, like that's about yep. as deep as they get into nutrition. Yep. You know, totally. it tastes good, and I'm not hungry anymore. I'm done. Yeah, I'm you know, on. so like. Yeah, if you give them these, like, you know, a long list of you got to do this, don't do this, don't do that, it, it loses them. Mm -hmm. So where Ted's got it right, it's like, base your diet on protein and green veggies and whatnot, and then everything else is energy. And then depending on your context, your context, you just kind of go from there, whether that's mm -hmm. going to be, you know, if you just want to stay weight stable, maybe you can have more carbs or more fats or this or that, like, as long as you're not eating too much like that's the way to go as far as i think um what we were talking about with, with simon and whatnot mm. i think people mischaracterize what ted is trying to say right yeah. sometimes if we recall not to call anybody out but there was a low carb living low carb guy um he did ted sort of pde thing that he did it as carnivore and he totally goofed it because where Ted's thing, like the PDE is like, oh, well, get your, get your protein up to like 40%, 30%, or whatever. The idea is not to raise your protein through the roof mm. on your existing calories. So if you're eating mm. 3,000 calories a day and you're raising it to get your 30, 50%, it's an astronomical amount of protein. Yeah. That's not what you're yeah. trying to do. What you're yeah. trying to do is eat your normal amount of protein, say mm. that's 150 grams a day or something like that. And you're to get the ratio, right? You're trying to bring down all the fats and carbs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's only 40% of a calorie restricted diet yeah. for 30%. But that, yeah. I think that's where people get it a little goofy. But yeah, I know and... Ted, I know what Ted means. And that's because I've talked to him about it or discussed it with him. It's like, <laughs> we're on the same page. Yeah. But it doesn't mean 400 grams of protein yeah. or 200 or 300 or whatever. I mean, it's you're, you're changing the energy, not the protein. Yeah, It's not necessarily about more protein, although Ted says you might mean 
end up eating a little a little bit more protein but it's about bringing yeah. back the fat and the carbs so that's you end up dialing back the donut and the pizza and every other hyper palatable food that exactly anything in nature will overeat if it's got it available so if you say you know i'm going to prioritize my protein and try to then i'm probably not going to be hungry for the donuts at the end of the day and uh yeah yeah you raise the you if you make the protein your, your focus like that's the the cornerstone of your diet it will displace a lot of the crap mm. right like that's that's the idea so like you, yeah. you're not if you're avoiding protein then yeah you're going to be Hungry filling ends. it up with carbs and fats and then you're Which is like it's really dense. easy to shoot your calories through the roof that way yeah so. yeah and you definitely get to a point where you um you know we we're talking about the 4.4 grams per kilo protein which is a massive amount in the antonio study oh, yeah. and you had all these dropouts and people just couldn't live on protein alone because your body just goes i can't make atp from all this protein it's too much and you feel sluggish and your body's just it's craving a miserable that, existence yeah, i tried it yeah i tried it years and years ago when i was trying to bodybuild and stuff and it was like oh proteins muscles and this and that and i, yeah, I was yeah, sky yeah. high and i actually went backwards because i got to a point where i did i just like so many so much of the energy nutrient or calorie like carbs and fats because i was just chugging protein shakes and whatnot mm. i just felt like crap i didn't have enough mm. energy to train well and it was actually by pulling my protein back a little bit and adding in a little mm. bit more carbs and fats or whatnot that I actually felt way, way better to train harder. And it, and it worked. Mm. But yeah, and um, Ted's refined his message to say it's not about, you know, everybody hitting 50%. It's about, okay, you're at 15, let's try 20. And once your weight loss stalls, let's try 25 and then maybe 30. And if you can get to 40, then you're, you're home free and you're going to have a lot yeah. easier weight loss results no it definitely were it, it's that's the way to go if you like for mm. just keeping it su stupid super simple if you focus on protein and you know, like green veggies and fibrous vegetables yeah. or whatnot yeah. that's the easiest way to drop weight yeah 100 percent. yeah and we definitely see that you know the nutrient density always aligns with protein but it's not just about protein if you focus on uh, you, you can just overdo the protein to the point that you're not getting the nutrient density that you need. So focus on adequate nutrients in your food. You're going to be doing a lot better as well. So that's sort of the, the, the next level that we overly complexify it to, to make it a bit more interesting. And challenging. 100%. Um, you're hiding out in your garage from the family there. So yeah. um, lipidology, <laughs> everybody gets really excited about lipids and... Uh, cholesterol and blood tests and i just you know glaze over because it's not my thing I'm, I'm i'm the glucose guy and uh i don't um understand it to the level that you do but you get on there and debate with anybody who will listen and have some fascinating discussions but what's the practical uh, i don't think everybody needs to go to that level of detail but what's the practical take-home that people need to know about their their blood lipids their cholesterol their um uh, all those details but would you just say what you need to worry about i mean i i think i think they're not something to be ignored i think you definitely i get a little annoyed when you see like particularly in the low carb community you'll see people who yeah their cholesterol goes wacky like mm. and like if it goes up a little bit it's like oh well it makes sense so if, if you go back to mm. what i was talking about when the like, is ramped up 
you're releasing more fatty acids into the bloodstream and you're going to burn what you can burn and whatever you don't burn goes to the liver it gets packed up as ldl and then it goes back so if you go from having you know really high carb diet where you're not really burning any fat at all and all of a sudden you're going to a low carb diet and you're you're circulating more, more, way more fatty acids. Your your cholesterol will go up a little bit. You know that's not unusual. So if it's within reason, I wouldn't worry about it. But like some people, they get sky high stuff going on, and I get a little frustrated because I think there's like kind of a something going on in the community where they sort of downplay it as not a big deal or oh, it's normal. You're on a low carb diet, and I don't think that's I don't. I, I feel like it's a little reckless to go there, to be perfectly honest. You know, I'm not You're a doctor, not sure so I'm whether like, that's normal or healthy, and you don't want to celebrate yeah. like high ketones. You don't necessarily want to celebrate sky high fatty acids. But well, you'll see that. That's the the problem is if you look, if you follow enough social media, you've seen it, I'm sure. Mm. You'll see somebody like, oh, you know, like their cholesterol is like in the 500s or 600s, like it's through the roof. You know, and their and their doctor is genuinely concerned because under like if you're a if you're eating a normal normal diet under normal, normal circumstances, and a doctor sees that, that's what they're assuming you're eating just you know standard American diet or whatever. They see that that's super alarming because that's a it mm. tells them that you're way, way insulin resistant or something funky is going on. Mm. You know, so but what I see sometimes it, it drives me mad is Somebody will come in, they're an otherwise healthy person, that they've been on keto, they get these sky-high numbers, and it's like, oh, I guess it's time to find a new doctor. And it's like, no, nah, probably not. Maybe talk to them, maybe try to work it out. Like, they have your best interest, they, they really do, yeah. Yeah. typically, yeah. you know. But what happens is these people will see online a community of people who are having elevated lipids, and for some reason, they kind of chalk it up as like, oh, it's normal. Like the, the medical establishment just doesn't understand it yet. And that might be true, but I'm uncomfortable saying that's true. Mm. You know, so I think it's, yeah. to me, it's, I would be concerned, you know. Yeah. So and it's easy. It, fat, rather than carb, you're going to have more elevated blood lipids. But to the point that, you know, you don't want high ketones, high glucose, high fatty acids especially all at the same time so if you got the fatty acids through the roof then maybe you do have some level of energy toxicity that you don't want to celebrate and ignore completely well and the thing is though is those if you take those people who have the that real reaction where it just goes through the roof if you take those people you can either if you increase their protein because they're always on keto when you see this they're like keto moderate protein high fat mm. kind of situation. A lot of them are super active and they're relatively mm. fit looking. But if you take that same person and you just add in 50 more grams of protein or take mm. them from the 20 or 30 grams of, of carbs that they're taking and maybe up it to 75 to 100, mm. their lipids totally normalized, yeah. right? Like for the most part. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, if you can normalize it just by eating you know, 50 more grams of protein or maybe 50 grams of carbs. Until I know that the, you know, sky high numbers are not a problem, I would much rather just do that. Mm. You know, it's an easy fix. It's not hard to fix. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, inter- it's protein, an interesting. A bit more carbs, you can get a bit more nutrient density, and you probably it looks like a healthier diet potentially. Well, exactly. I mean, you, you could see that for sure doing what you do. Mm. I mean, it, mm. it and if just for from the monotony, like I mean, if you've ever done, you've done super keto for like real mm. carb mm. to go from you know twenty grams of carbs, thirty grams of carbs, or whatever, up to closer to a hundred. I mean, it a lot more food options are on the table mm, mm. you know it's not as not as monotonous yeah. so some people i think it's better all around but it just depends including potentially a lot more nutrition in that approach um so mm-hmm. to, so to bring it together like what um you know, what advice would you give someone starting out on a you know trying to improve their health trying to reverse diabetes manage blood sugar lose body fat what are the you know, top two or three tips you'd give somebody the number one would be you don't have to do everything at once like absolutely like make small mm. goals mm. small table goals like if it's the first goal is hey you know what i'm not going to drink soda anymore i'm just going to drink tea or water or coffee yeah and that's it you didn't change your diet you just got rid of soda yeah. that's that's a good one start there do little Get goals one thing in place move on to the next one Get one thing in place because I mean I've done it. Everybody, you've probably done it too. You're like, oh, you know what? I'm out of shape. I'm gonna get it together. You go hog wild, like super, super strict on your diet. You start hitting the gym like crazy. You're so sore. You can't even move for two weeks, and then like, you just burn yourself out. Do it that way. So Mm -hmm. I think like little things like that. But as far as the diet, ultimately, keeping it simple, simple. Mm. Kind of, I like like what Ted does with the PDE thing. You know, like it, it really, it, it just trims out all the junk. Mm. So just kind of focus on protein and veggies. Start there, you know, and then you kind of add in your calories mm. depending on what your goals are with either carbs or fats. Yeah. Just build it up. So when would you go for carbs versus fats? What's that? When would you go with carbs versus fat, depending on your activity? And if you're like really active, then you might need a few more carbs. I'm, so I, I, uh, more sedentary, you'd go for the fat. I'm kind of, um, I'm biased towards low carb diets. That's like what I'm most comfortable with. So I always kind of gravitate that way. Mm. I know you could do a low fat diet as a high carb diet and probably make it work for certain people. Um, mm. but I think it's, it's just easier and more. I don't know. It seems seems to make more sense to do mm. pull the carbs down. They don't have to plummet like down. Mm. They don't have to be nothing, but definitely step back and try to, and then make the balance fat. So high protein, mm. the balance of your calories depending on what your target is is going to be fat, and then your carbs are relatively low. The carbs, yeah. like I try to think of carbs as more of a supplement. If that yeah. makes sense. Right, like there is the okay. There's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate kind of mindset that goes around in the low carb stuff. It's true, but it depends on what you're doing. If, like I mm. said, if you're basically sedentary, you probably don't need a lot of carbohydrates, mm. Mm. right? But if you are you know, weightlifting and you're running and you're doing like you're training for a sport, like when I used to play football when I was younger, I mean, we used to have mm. like we used to have Hell Week. 
and it was two a days and it would be like weights in the morning and then it would be you know weights and and you know calisthenics or just just everything sprints mm. total conditioning mm. stuff in the morning mm. and then in the afternoon or evening you would scrimmage and play you know two hours of football basically yeah wow you know do drills and everything but it was two a days like in those kind of situations you could probably have some parts between your first practice and your second practice and it'd probably be to your benefit because you can't if you wax your glycogen levels in the first training session mm. your, your gluconeogenesis can only replenish glycogen so yeah. it will replenish it like if you wait but give it, it a couple it's days rate limited it's rate limited exactly mm. so in those kind of unique situations you know having carbs for lunch before before your evening practice it probably be to your benefit because you'll help restock yeah. your glycogen a little bit but yeah, those are unusual of, uh... circumstances yeah, in terms of nutrient density, we always seem to see, you know, protein corresponds with nutrient density, which comes with some fat, and then, you know, a little, you know, the lower in carbs, maybe less than 20 or 30% carbs in your diet definitely aligns with better nutrient density as well. But Absolutely, you don't need to, yeah. Unless your blood sugars are on a massive roller coaster, you don't need to dial it down further to get satiety or nutrient density effects. You just need to yeah. make sure you've got that cornerstone of protein in your diet and then go from there and dial it in based on, on, on yeah, most, you your goals and your blood sugars. Most protein foods like natural grain foods, they're, they're very well complemented with fat anyways. Mm. So mm. you don't have to go for like the fattiest cuts and everything else. Like a relatively lean steak is going to be basically one to one ratio between protein and fat by calories. Mm. So it's, that's why the low carb is easy. Because if you yeah. do, if you just focus on the protein, as long as you're eating whole food proteins, you're not just like uh, every all your protein comes from a protein powder. Mm. You know, you're already basically going to get plenty of fat. You don't have yeah. to like, you know. So the calories, I mean, they're the carbs. You just kind of pull the you play with those a bit. That's what I well, historically that's what I do. Right now I'm in the uh, post children little <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> That dad, dad mode. Yeah. Dad, I'm dad trying. Mode. I'm a little bit dad bod right now, admittedly. But I've been <laughs> I've been trying recently. Well, I've been getting back into surfing more, which is great. And I feel goofy. Like I bought a. Uh, it's a. It's like a surf skate. Like it's called a Carver mm. surf skateboard. Oh, cool. I bought one of those, and it looks funny because I'm a 40 year old dude out in my front lawn or front yard riding around the skateboard but it like mimics surfing so it's fun if for me it's a fun way to do cardio because yeah. i i don't like to run and I'm like i need well that's what like surfing i enjoy because i like to surf so you mm. the exercise is a side effect of just doing something yeah. you like to do i much yeah. rather do that kind of stuff yeah. anyways that's cool. sorry um <laughs> yeah so so where do you see nutrition going in uh over the next five or ten years, where would you like it to go? And I suppose we've talked about social media, and it's a bit of a crazy world where the the, the crazy trends seem to take off, and everybody lives in their little social bubble, and mm. uh, with their own media feed, and it's um it's a bit of a weird world. Where where do you see it going, and where would you like to see it go, and how do we fine tune it to get to where it should go, rather than where it probably will? I I'd, I'd like to see less zealotry overall 
mm-hmm. and for everyone to kind of realize like there there is a, a there is a common goal with the nutrition you know mm-hmm. like like the nutrition scientists and everything or even like the the ones that put out like the the dietary guidelines that everybody in the low carb communities particularly like attacks like they all have the best of intentions i don't think it's mm-hmm. you know they're not the enemy they're seeing things mm-hmm. different. What I think the research scientists have done over the years is I think they've really done a good job of identifying what's wrong, mm-hmm. like metabolically. And I think where some of these trends kind of come through and everything is because the messaging from the nutrition orthodoxy, I don't think they have good practical solutions. Yeah. So they figured out what's wrong, but they don't really yeah. do a good guide as like how to address it. And they're spending hundreds of millions sense. of dollars testing, you know, extreme low fat versus extreme low carb. And it's like, well, wait up. How does somebody move? Nobody's going to eat that way. How do we move it forward in a practical way that'll help people actually well, yeah. from where they're at now take the next step? Well, and even like the, the standard, like the dietary guidelines that, you know, everybody criticizes. It's like, well, first off, nobody eats that way. Nobody's following them already nobody's following them right right so they're not even necessarily they're not necessarily bad but nobody's doing it to begin with so they need to figure out how to they they don't communicate well like that's that's Mm. basically what it boils down to Mm. and then everybody the social media phenomenon is just kind of weird because you've Mm. seen it i mean we saw it we saw it for sure like in the nutrition sphere it got really culty and then you had like different groups would like battle different groups and then they would send their mm. like little warriors over to like oh this person's <laughs> saying this and it's like it got really bizarre we yeah. saw that nutrition and it yeah. was just in keto groups because god forbid you know we were talking about keto and i said hey you know what dietary fat actually adds up it matters and then yeah. somebody took a screenshot of me and put it in another group and then i was like you know get the pitchforks out i was the enemy <laughs> My so it's weird yeah it was really weird but that was in the nutrition world. And then now, I mean, anybody that's on social media has seen that kind of tribalism spread mm. into everything. Mm. You know, like if you, everything with politics, everything with just every aspect of your life is now tribal somehow. Mm. It's just weird. So I don't and know. You're able I don't to know entertain that... this like unique, your own belief system that's, you know, never challenged, never threatened because you're in this little bubble and uh you never really get to grow in a way yeah i'm fascinated by it like i i, I really am it, it's like watching a slow train wreck but mm. i want to understand what what's going on yeah. but i no, no, no. i don't know if i ever will <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's a weird thing but yeah. i think the yeah i just I figure it if, if, i don't know if that's if, what if you, you want to do sorry yeah, it's a train wreck. We're all gonna die. I just figure yeah. if you try and paint, you know, for the, the one or two percent of people who do want a way that will lead them forward, you say here are the key principles of nutrition. Here's what you actually need to put into your diet to move forward and get satiety and nutrients. Then we can keep on progressing forward and uh, take it forward. Like you said, not from zero to hero, but from where you're at now, just you know, little steps yeah. down the road. Well, and I, I think your nutrition. I think like well, I like Ted's Ted's base model is really really good, really solid, mm. and I think what you're doing is 
fantastic too because it gives you it gives you a way to just kind of gauge where you're at mm. you know like you're, you're as far as okay well i totally blowing it on these nutrients so i should probably add mm. a little bit of this or add a little bit of that so you can kind of over time refine your diet personalize it yeah, yeah. so i i think that that's probably the way to go to be honest or i yeah. hope that things go more that direction but it's yeah. but it's really ultimately what you're doing is is giving a feedback it's an educational process mm. right because diet like i said before most people like they get hungry they just eat they don't think about it they would just find something that's tasty and whether it's good or bad for them it's kind of oh, i don't know yeah so you're kind of over time training them what a healthy diet looks like just by giving them targets and yeah, it, it's, giving them it's, the data about their own nutrition and as they all these people who think their nutrition gurus come in and start looking at oh okay i'm missing these three nutrients and what foods contain them and you know i'm not at the top of the leaderboard but i've got a phd in nutrition that i'm really triggered here let me you know do what yeah. i can to move along and all of a sudden they're you know getting energy and satiety and they're losing weight by just pursuing a high nutrient density which is yeah. uh, really cool gamification of nutrition that's a good way to put it actually and the and the gamification of nutrition but what you're also doing i mean you're developing you're developing over time habits like a nat mm. you're evolving their habits mm. so i mean yeah you follow what you're doing do it for a solid year and then intuitively your diet has changed yeah like you don't even really have to think about it you're going to be eating way way better because yeah. you did the hard work and educated yourself over yeah. that time span but it's the education good. through self-reflection rather than the you know one true diet from on high that everybody agrees with it's like okay what i'm eating now and what do i need to eat a little bit more of and those things those other not so optimal things fall off the list and i'll just keep on you know, competing yeah. and it's yeah it's cool it's cool how it works no it's good but, but it requires accountability personal accountability yeah. so but if you're willing to go there then it's very empowering yeah. it's a good thing to do yeah, the, no, no magic promised or involved. It's just, you know, getting the nutrients your body needs from food. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we've also tried to simplify it with recipe books and, you know, not everybody wants to track their food. So it's like, here's some off the shelf. If you eat this, you'll be doing pretty well. Yeah, cool. Anything else you wanted Very to good. add to, to our, our chat? It's been great to get you online um, and get you out of, you know, from behind your iPad that you spend all your time yeah. on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. I just want to say thanks for having me on. I mean, I, yeah. I apologize if I sounded a little rusty, but I, <laughs> I, I admittedly am. But um, still, it was nice to be on here and nice to catch up. And I'm trying, as you've noticed, to get more involved again. And it is, it's a bit like just dusting off the cobwebs. Even my yeah. little exchange I had with uh, Dr. Pyman the other day was kind of like, I had to think about it like, oh, okay. It comes, it comes back quick, so yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. Yeah, it's good. But, it's anyway, good to bring problem solving thinking into you know help us all join the dots a little bit more. And yeah, you've definitely been a big influence for a whole bunch of us to you know get out of the dogmatic extreme camps and bring it into a practical yeah. right. application of all the biochem and, and nutrition and nutrient density. I feel like I'm more successful on a writing medium, but that could be me. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, just takes... I, I don't talk about it that much. That's why. 
I, I write yeah. about a lot of stuff, so I can actually sit and ponder my thoughts and yeah. do it. But yeah, it's okay. It's, it's fun. It's been fun, man. I Great. appreciate it. Thank, thanks right. so much. It's been good to have you on, and um, we'll keep chatting online. And um, maybe another time we'll um, get you back on to have a bit more of a game. They could do another one after when I, you know, get myself sharp again. <laughs> Dust out the cobwebs. That'd be great. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Cool. Appreciate it. Cheers, Thank you. Man. See ya. Have a Bye. good night.